0: Facing up to the challenges of what a vision that God gives us, that comes with consequences, implications, sacrifice, how to live up to that. David last week spoke about hearing from God, so we know what that vision is. I just want to just, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to touch on a couple of things that that involves. And today, I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about the God who swears. Did you know he swears? heresy. He does. He does, but not that kind of swear. I was going to bring a swear box this morning, but that was more for you guys rather than for God. But... Potty mouths. Not really. I'm joking. But I didn't. No props today again. You'll be pleased to hear. But I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about a God who swears. A whole different kind of swear when he swears an oath. And what that means. And how we can trust that. And how we can find our security in him. Some of us, with all this that's been going on, our new season at Beacon Church, we could have been chomping at the bit. Some people just excited and eager to be here. Other people, understandably, have been uncertain very wary of what it's going to involve, what it's going to look like, perhaps very aware of what setting up and taking down every Sunday looks like in the schools. A few of us have been there before. Some of us may even just be in our own individual lives because of, I don't know, job risk, money, marriage, health. We could just be fearful for the future. And I just trust by the end of this morning, there's something I'd like us to do together at the end. I just trust that by the end of this morning we'll understand what it means when God says he promises and how despite anything... We can trust him within that. Is that okay? Is that all right? The God who swears. I read a story just a couple of weeks ago, actually, about a guy. This guy's amazing. His name was Captain Campbell. I don't know if anyone's heard of him. Captain Campbell was a uh, British Army officer in the First World War, fought in France. He only got to fight a few weeks, bless him. Have you heard about this? He, was, uh, he, start, he started fighting right from the beginning of the war. He was captured in battle just after a few weeks into the First World War in 1914 in France. He was captured, went to a POW camp, prisoner of war camp. And uh, he was there for a couple of years, until 1916, and he heard, he got communication, that his mother, who lived in Gravesend, as it was actually in, uh, in Kent, she was dying very soon of cancer. So he wrote a letter to the Kaiser, Wilhelms II. He wrote to him and asked for leave from the POW camp. The audacity is amazing. The Kaiser said yes. And he held him to his word as an army officer. I'll give you two weeks, including two days either end for travel. I'll give you two weeks to go and see your mum before she passes away. And then on your word I have it that you'll come back. And Captain Campbell came all the way home to Gravesend, stayed with his mother as she passed away. And within the fortnight, he returned back to the prisoner of war camp and he stayed there to the end of the war another couple of years in 1918. What a guy. And not only that, the British Army as well. If I was one of his commanding officers over here, going not in your nelly, you're going back, you're staying here. Can you see that happening today? From all sides, to the Kaiser as well, can you really see that happening these days? I'm not so sure. That doesn't mean those days are any better than they are today, it's just, it's different. But in those days, people's understanding of my word carried a weight, isn't it? What a guy to go... I'm free, I'm home in Gravesend with my family. I've been able to see my mum pass away. I've been able to see her lay to rest. I gave him my word, I returned to a prisoner of war camp and I'm going back. What was going through his head as he went, but he did it. Real man of honour. I think it's fascinating. Do we experience that kind of weight of someone's word these days? Do we not? Nodding heads, shaking heads? Probably not so much, I suspect. I struggle to think of people like that. To be honest, I'm not sure. I don't know what that says about these days. Like I say, I don't think they're any worse, but they're different. But why does this resonate? That kind of story, why does that resonate in our hearts? There's something about that guy, your esteem of him just goes through the roof, doesn't it? What a dude. Some people might think might be thinking, plonker, <laughs> what would you do that for? But generally speaking, I think most of us would go, do you know what? He's a man of his word and he stuck to it. And that's worthy of all respect. See, when we are asked to promise something, we can sometimes, really, sometimes often, struggle to live up to our promises. Sometimes because of circumstances, things change. Sometimes it's not within our capability. Sometimes we let people down because we are people. And we can really struggle with the whole concept of us promising someone. When someone promises us something, we get very disappointed anyway when they let us down. There's something about words and about promises that we take seriously, or try not to take seriously when it's on our behalf. So that's why I want to talk about the God who swears. He swears an oath. And when he does it, he means it. Do you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 6? It'll be the second half of the chapter. Some of your Bibles might have delineated it into sections. It'll be Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 13 to the end. Hebrews is towards the end of the New Testament. I don't know if it might even come up on the screen in a minute. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. Here we go. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. We'll talk about Abraham in a minute. I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. I don't know if you remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago. It's on the website if you haven't heard it. Men swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. Those heirs are you and me. Members of Abraham's spiritual family, God's family through Abraham. (coughs) Excuse me, Through Abraham initially and then through Christ who made it all possible for us who aren't Jews. He wanted to make it very clear to the heirs, us, of what was promised, and so he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What brilliant words, aren't they? It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, the holy place, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Don't worry about the last sentence. Melchizedek is a very interesting character. We might preach on him one day. He's a fascinating guy but not for today. But Jesus entered on our behalf into the Holy of Holies because we can't, because we are not holy and he sealed that promise. Let me just pray and then I'll explain what we're going to do. Lord, this is your word and we trust it is your revealed word and the more we dive into it, the more it proves itself. Historically, evidentially, experientially, you prove to us this is your word and we trust what it says. And it says, when you promise... It's as good as done. And Lord, I just trust that each one of us, by the end of this morning, we will trust that your promises over us as a people, your promises over us as individuals, your promises over us in this place as beacon, your promises over us in this town will be signed, sealed and delivered in our hearts, we ask. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I need some water. I'm getting dry today. So now, ask this question. What makes a promise dependable? What is it about the promise that makes it dependable? Any ideas? The person saying it. The person saying it. Let me read that, verse 17, one more time. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. How did he do that? Verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. And he did this to ensure we get it. So He's not just saying, I promise you, I want to make sure you understand, I promise you. So I'm going to swear it by my name, so you know it's in the bag. So I want to look at two things this morning. First, his dependability is the person who makes the promise. That's what makes the difference to a promise. I want to look at God's dependability. And I just want to look at our possible responses to that before we do something together. Is that okay? First of all, his dependability. Understand this. When we read the word promise, the P word in the Bible, it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means in 21st century Western Europe. When we read the word promise in the original text, in the original Greek, promise, promises, promised, it's referring to a divine assurance of good. It's not just I'm, I'm hoping for the best for you. It's a divine, godly assurance of something good to come. God going, that good will happen. Slightly different. You see, Amy has an interesting, uh, we've got a nine-year-old daughter, Amy. Amy has a very interesting understanding of the word promise, of the whole concept, as children often do. We, we have to watch our sentences now. She, she pulls them apart like a Flipping lawyer. You said we were going to go to McDonald's after school. You promised we were going to go to McDonald's after school. I mean, Jenny are like, no, we just said we, you were asking on Tuesday and in the rush of everything on the school trip. And yeah, we might do. We'll think about it. You promised. That's her, that's, for her, that's enough. You promised we were going to go to McDonald's and then we have the fight. So we've got no money or whatever. But when it comes the other way around, did you, ask, did you um, clear your bedroom up like you promised you would? Well, no. Well, you, you did promise. Well, I did, but, but there was something on CBBC that was a bit more important at the time. Well, can you do it now, please, because I can't see any carpet. Okay, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise I will do it after four o'clock club on the telly. I'll promise after I finish this little bit of Minecraft. I promise, I promise, I promise after I've eaten some more food because she grazes every half hour. She's not there. I promise and she strives really hard with the tone of the voice and the body. I promise I will. It doesn't matter how much you try hard, darling. It doesn't change the promise. Or when we go in Tesco's, who's had this fight? Can I have a toy? Here we go again. No, you had one last week, you don't need any more, you've got a bedroom full of Tosh and we can't see your carpet. I promise I won't ask next time. I really promise. So hey, right? that word comes in, I really, really promise. Makes it different, doesn't it, apparently? I really promise I won't ask next week. So then we have the fight where we put our foot down or now and again we say, okay, this time you can have a, a toy, next time no chance or we'll go halves on your pocket money. I promise I won't ask next week. And next week you go in there, can have a toy. So now we go shopping when she's at school. (laughs) Much easier, much easier. But her understanding of promise is very different to what God thinks. Very different. Get this, in the Old Testament, up until until when Jesus came and around that time as well, in Old Testament Hebrew culture, they didn't have our concept of promises. It did not exist. When you read that word promise... What was meant at the time was, they didn't go, I promise this, simply was someone giving a word with reference to the future. It wasn't about the act. It was about the person. Big difference. There's a difference between the act and the person. So here, we hear God making an oath. And he says it's because of his unchangeable nature of his purpose. Do you want to turn to James chapter 1? In fact, it's just after Hebrews, isn't it? James chapter 1, verse 17. Let's look at this person who's making this promise. He's giving this word of assurance for the future. James chapter 1, verse 17. Excuse me. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change. Not, does not change in certain seasons, does not change when he feels like it, he does not change. Now if you're able to turn to Isaiah 46 verse 9, I'll read it out anyway. Isaiah 46 verse 9, this is the God who does not change. Isaiah 46 verse 9. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, like we were singing earlier about Jesus. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, which what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. If I said it and I'm unchangeable and that's my plan, it ain't going to change. That's something we can rely on. Here is the unchangeable nature of who makes these promises. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? A big difference. And so what he does, he doesn't just make this promise. He wants to prove it to us because he knows we're human and he knows we're a little bit stupid and he knows we look out for the get-out clauses and the small print and we confuse matters because we think we're clever. He goes, I'm unchangeable and here's my promise. But to prove it, just so you get it, I'm going to swear it on my name. What do we do when we make an oath? In courts? I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. What do people do? Sorry? Put your hand on the Bible. Because we like to put our hand on something greater. Some people say, I swear on my mum's grave. I don't like that, but some people do that. They try and swear on something that's kind of greater than them. Scout's Honour. Star Trek. I'm I don't know, never was a scout I was watching films Scout's honour, I swear on my mum's grave I I swear on my mum's life, people say, don't they They try and swear on something bigger than them I swear on the Bible, I swear on God That's what people say Because they're trying to evoke something bigger than them To say it's not just about me, I swear on that And that reputation is in the line If I don't live up to this promise And God is going, who's bigger than me? I swear on me nothing changes that makes it concrete it's concrete anyway because I'm the one who's making this promise but so, so you get it on my name I make that oath I heard a four year old say the other week if someone made God that would make them God actually wouldn't it four year old philosopher there is none greater than God and he says I swear by this just so much I'm putting my reputation on the line which I know won't be drawn into disrepute Because I'm me, and I'm unchangeable, and I'm good, and I do good all the time. Now do you get it? He keeps layering, just so us little humans get it. The unchangeable nature of himself, the unchangeable nature of his purpose, and he swears on his own name. So those two things, his unchangeability and him swearing on his own names, as that verse in Hebrew says, and then adds in those two unchangeable things and his inability to lie just for a third thing just so you get it <laughs> means it's guaranteed and it's in the bag security in him in the big things and the little things whatever he promises over us you can be as willing as you like to fulfil that promise I really, 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 really promise I'll give you 17 That how's that? But unless you're able to fulfil it, it ain't going to happen, is it? You can be as willing to fulfil it as you like, but you also need to be able. God is willing, and God is able. And if you don't think he is, we need to have a chat. I was saying to someone this week about a big problem they've got, and they can't see an end to it. They're saved. I said to him, do you think, step away from that for a moment, do you think Jesus is bigger than that? They I mean, went, oh yeah, right, let's tap back in and have another chat again. Don't think he's not big enough, he is. And he's always more than able to deliver. He is dependable, full stop. How do we respond to his promises over us? If you don't know what your promises, his promises over you are, look in here first. Foundational stuff. But sometimes through we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through prophecy, God revealing himself to us, for us to weigh between us, as to whether that is from God or not. Through prayer, through prophecy, we believe God gives us other promises within the promises. So there is eternal security in him. It's all in the bag. But also within that, I promise to grow Beacon Church. I'm promising you a bigger plant pot. For the plant to grow and not be stifled. Here we are. There's promises within the promises. All of those are dependable, but we can respond to them in different ways. We often do respond to them in different ways. There's just a few examples. The list could go on, I suppose, depending on where you're coming from. But one, you could, you could ignore the promises and you can miss out. Some of God's promises are, if you follow me, your life will work out. You can still decide to go the other way. Understand? Understand? Rather than, well, I'm going to go my own way and do what I want, but I'll let you sort it out for me. God's going, I'm going to help you learn a lesson then. <laughs> Slightly different. So we can ignore his promises. But if we don't want to ignore his promises, we can still be... Here's the thing. What do we want? Earn Bay crazy for Jesus. When do we want it? Now. We can get impatient, can't we? Come on, God. Why aren't we 300 strong yet? how many 30,000, 40,000 people in home by e? Why don't they all love you like crazy and dancing around and singing there's no one like Jesus? Doing the rumba or whatever. And God's going, in my own time, people were drawn into my family. But it's in my time and not yours. We can get impatient, can't we? Which is why I think it's fascinating. Back at that part of Hebrews chapter 6, it's a very fascinating word that crops up. In verse 15. We can get impatient. I oh, know I do. God, you promised me. Why not now? What says here? Verse 15. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. It didn't come straight away. It didn't come overnight. It took a number of years. After God had said to him, I'll make you a father of nations. And he's like, I haven't got any kids. And all my bits are old and withered. And so is my wife's. So how's that going to happen? But God promised and they had to wait a number of years. There was a time when Abraham was impatient and his wife. If you don't know the story, they had the promise over them that Abraham would be the father of of a great nation, of many people, had no biological children. As far as they're concerned, they're too old to have any. And yet Sarah, his wife, said, there's someone else you can sleep with to have a child. And they took it into their own hands, didn't they? went a bit wrong went a bit awry and God showed in his timing if you're patient the promise will be fulfilled eventually he learned his lesson to patiently wait see Beacon just this week has been been described as having a tenacity in waiting so good on you there is a tenacity in your waiting for God's promises sometimes there is a time to push a door we pushed a few and we got a few no's, didn't we? We could have given up, got disappointed, huddled down and just got on with it. But there was a tenacity in waiting that other people have noticed. And now it's paying off. What next? Who knows? If you are around on Wednesday evening, you heard from Ben Goodman about some promises for the future of great growth, if we want it. If we want it in our hearts to be willing to put up with the mess as we grow, more people to meet more people to love and everything that comes with that as a family grows there's tensions and there's trying to juggle and a bit of elbow room have trouble squeezing people in here let's have that problem but we have to be willing to face that and not just growth here but planting out let's bless other nations more but we have to be willing in our hearts to sacrifice what is needed to grow we have to ask that question if we are ready for that God has said Okay, well, I have the resources. We have a recording of that from Ben Goodman if you need it. We can sort that out later. But you see, this is the difference. Patience is very different to being passive. Two very different things. You can be active in your patience, active in your waiting. Though that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, run and not get weary, walk and not faint. They're still waiting while you're walking and running in him. A waiting on him... Is trusting him, not sitting in the corner going, off you go then. Let me know when you've done it. It's very different. We can actively decide to wait and to trust him. Look for the opportunities. Look for the doors we need to push. Look for the no's Look for the yeses, and God will show us the way. Well, that's very different to being passive. So when the outcome doesn't match your expectation, guess who got it wrong. We try and blame God, don't we? You didn't do what I thought you said you were going to do. We do that sometimes, don't we? Actually, God knows. Well, God says maybe you misheard. Does God change his mind? I wondered, and I'm not so sure now. City Church, Canterbury, absolutely convinced well, they know they need to bed down into Canterbury for the long term, for decades to come, to help make a difference there, to make Canterbury an even better place to live in, demonstrate the love of Jesus. They've been looking for a building now. They've been in a school hall for 20 years. And they had Unit 29 at Windsheep, convinced that it was right, and the favour in the council was huge about how to get that plot in the first place. But you needed two lots of permission. And it was the landlord's permission, big no, came through this week. It was a big meeting on Thursday, and it was a No. Did God change his mind? Or is he taking them through that process to help reveal to them something greater? And City churches, the the leadership I spoke to Tom Shaw on Friday, their faith is outstanding. They are not, not, this is the leadership, they are not gutted, we've lost it. Or, we're going to fight, fight, fight till we get out. I don't care what they say, that's ours. They are simply, we don't know if it's going to end up being that after all but if not, we believe God's got something better and we are trusting him. Their concern is how to lead the rest of City Church through that because some could be really struggling with that. But the leadership, their faith is outstanding. Has God changed his mind or actually is he taking us through this process? Jenny and I had that with the house a few years ago. We were convinced it was the right house. We prayed about it, absolutely convinced it was the right house to put an offer on. When it all fell through, did God change his mind? Was he being spiteful or was he taking us through that process to test us for something different it's another long story I believe it actually it was a process for a test not because he changed his mind his purposes are unchangeable and he knows exactly what he's doing Jenny and I there's another long story so I won't go into it all we can only have we've only had Amy and it turns out she's more of a miracle child than we thought she was nine and a half years coming it was a long gestation elephant DNA no not really (laughs) not really mother-in-law's here Nine and a half years, eventually Amy turned up. When we tried for another child, we found out we couldn't have any more and actually, she's a bit of a miracle. Even more of a miracle than she is already. And now we realise we wanted more kids. Now we're going through the process of fostering and we trust actually God was going, do you know what, I've got something better for you. doesn't mean God changes his mind or he's being spiteful. No, I'm only giving you one because that's all you can cope with. Might be a bit of that. We like our lions. But actually it's because he's got something greater for us that we wouldn't have imagined or wouldn't have gone for if we had enough of our own children God's promises over us do not change and he's always dependable if you feel insecure at any time there are promises in the Bible you don't need to receive them from a prophet specifically for you dear, dear Eileen dear Adrian dear Sheila here's a promise for you this this is full of them start here If you feel insecure, Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Bam, in the bag. If you trust me, if you are mine through Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not I will never leave you unless you do this, you do this, you do this. If you're mine, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what mistakes you make, no matter when you go off the path, I'm still your dad. Believe it. It's a promise. It's in the bag. If you ever feel disappointed, and it just wears us down, doesn't it? When you're disappointed, you just feel it's, it's more than just an emotional feeling. It just gives you a lethargy to life when you feel let down. Matthew eleven twenty eight to twenty nine. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not I will give you rest if you fill in the form correctly. I will give you rest. It's a promise, it's in the bag. Well, there's loads of them, I'm not going to read them all out. One more. One for City Church, one for us. Matthew 16:18, isn't it? I will build my church. Sometimes local expressions of church stagnate and die. Sometimes because of sin, sometimes because of the leadership, sometimes for different seasonal reasons. That does sometimes happen. That doesn't mean he isn't building his church. Sometimes they need to die for others to grow. But at large, he will build his church. We are following his promises. We are trying our best to hear from him and step into them and be willing to take on the sacrifice. He's growing us. Look, I will build my church. It's a promise over us and we can trust it because it's in the bag. And this is why at the end of Hebrews chapter 6, there's those last couple of verses from verse 19. It's because of that our hope for the future What picture language does the writer to the Hebrews use? An anchor. Massive great ships put their anchor down, they don't move. How many millions of tons of steel these things are? When the anchor goes down, they they do not move. We have an anchor for the soul. Who can give that? Only Him. Verse 19 We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. That is more picture language of describing. He is now, through his death, he has paid the price that we deserve to pay because we are unholy, we are sinful. There's a perfect God and an imperfect man, and there's a chasm between us. We can't reach across to him, but he stooped down to us. And Jesus took our sin on his shoulders and paid the price of separation from that father for that instant. My God, why have you forsaken me? Because of our sin was on his shoulders. He made that possible and he rose again to seal the deal. Once and for all, rose to the Father's side. And what is he doing at the Father's side right now? Is he standing or is he? He's sitting down because the hard work's done. There's a reason why he's sitting down. It's in the bag. Captain Campbell stood by his word. How much more can God? who is unchangeable and does not lie stand by his word he won't let you down your hope your salvation is not just in the post your salvation you've definitely got it it'll be here for Thursday it's in your hands now if you haven't already unwrap it it's available in Jesus do you have prophecies over you do you have promises over you personal ones maybe you feel called to another country whatever it will be And trust and rest in him. Patience and passivity are two very different things. Just remember that. If you want to work through that more, come and speak to one of us elders or cell leaders and we'll help you pray through that and get your head around it. That's fine. If you're uncertain about our move here, if you're uncertain about the future in your personal life, believe that for all who love him, he will work together for the good. He will. Full stop. And if you don't know him, there's a promise for you. If you've not met with Jesus as more than just a historical figure, who's upheld in history more than Caesar, overwhelming evidence for his death and resurrection, proving him to be the Son of God who died for you. John chapter 11 verse 25. The same Jesus said this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies we still pass away physically don't we but you'll have eternal life and hope and security in him and whoever lives and believes in me will never die in terms of eternal death separation from the father you are his do I lose my salvation? no if you are saved always saved big difference that's a promise for you can you say you have a certain hope? can you say that? Because if you don't right now, you can. It's available in Jesus. It's guaranteed. He is God. He is unchangeable. He does not lie. And He's signed, sealed, and delivered it. Who knows what the future will bring? He does, and it will be okay. There's something I'd just like us to do just as we end. There's a little pattern that crops up throughout the Bible. In a few places. Jacob does it. You see it in the Psalms. Solomon does it when they dedicate the temple. they reminded God of his promises. Not because he needs reminding. He's got a good memory. Actually, it's because we need reminding. And what I'd like to do, just to end, should we stand? Take it in turns, a number of us, however many it needs to be, it doesn't matter, to declare his promises. Take it in turns. Promises from the Bible, maybe it's a promise you've received over yourself. Declare his promises, remind him of his promises, and then I'll finish I'll, I'll from finish prayer. But it's important. We're not reminding him of his promises because he's forgotten. Oh, yeah, that was on that bit of to do list or left in the bin. He goes, Oh, no. I just wanted you to remember that. But as we remind ourselves of our promises in him, we remind ourselves of our divine assurance for good in him. that security in him is in the bag. Just take it in turns, just to, however many, and then I'll close in prayer. Jesus said, I will never leave you. Amen. Jesus said, do not worry about your life, what you should eat, what you shall wear, what car you will have, what you will have. Mm. Mm-hmm. By the stripes of Jesus, I I will not forget you. Children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their welfare. In my father's house, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to to myself. I will build my church. Mm. supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus Lord these are just scratching the surface it's barely the tip of the iceberg but Lord I just pray as these embed deeper in our hearts that our perspective of you will be wider Lord, I pray that our vision, our understanding of you is far bigger than we had when we entered this room. That we understand that you are a God who loves your people. You love those who aren't yours yet as well. And Lord, you ask us to be on the front line in demonstrating your love to them. And Lord, as we bed down in our new home, Lord, I pray we'll feel at home quickly that we might be able to welcome anybody who wants to come and join us, not just Sunday mornings, but elsewhere during the week. Lord, we're excited for the future, but it's only because we know you've got your guarantee, you've got our back. You're not just behind us, and you're not just alongside us, you're out front going this way, because you're a God who cares and who's involved in your people and your creation right now. So Lord, as we finish now, we lift this up to you, and we say, Lord, it's in your hands. Show us what you want us to do, show us when you want us to wait, show us when you want us to push a door, show us when you want us to shut our mouths. We're happy, but we just want to know what you want from us each step of the way. We don't expect to see what's around the corner, we don't expect to see what's leagues ahead over the hills, we just want to know the next step each time and we trust you for that. So Lord, as we go from this place, remind us that it's all about you and you're amazing. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Fred.